Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you to go to 1280thezone.com. Check out the Tour of Utah podcast. Podcast includes how to train for the summer of cycling and where best to see the upcoming Tour of Utah. We're going to talk to Chris Camrani, covers the Utes for The Athletic, coming up at 4.30. David Locke, radio play-by-play voice of the Jazz, will join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour and... We'll ask him about the big jazz news of the day. Steve Starks being promoted to CEO of the Larry H. Miller Group of Companies and Don Sterling being the interim president of the Utah Jazz and Larry H. Miller Sports and Entertainment. So we'll talk to uh, David uh, about that coming up at the uh, top of the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Speaking of the jazz, Gordon, another guard for Team USA looks like he's not going to, well, it's not officially dropping out per se, but uh, reported Mark Stein, Boston's Marcus Smart, is out indefinitely for Team USA with calf tightness. He will be reevaluated next week. And when you're playing in that kind of environment, if there is any hint of an injury, you have got to sit the guys down. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, here it is. And I agree with Mark Cuban in this regard. Uh, when, when, when the NBA teams, franchises, when they're the ones taking the risk here, you know, with their guys, then you want them taken care of with the utmost caution. That goes without saying. And so when that happens, man, forget about it. You're going to uh, sit down and heal a while before you're going to get back out on the floor, just as the Boston Celtics or any other team would uh, would expect it to be. But yet another guard is not going to be available for Team USA. And, Gordon, that just means a more prominent role, most likely, don't want to jinx it for him, uh, for Donovan Mitchell. How prominent a role do you want him oh, to have? as prominent as it can get. You want him to play big minutes? Yeah, play big minutes, get big-time exposure, success on that stage. I think that's nothing but good for Donovan. You're saying you'd rather have him ride the pine? No, not ride the pine. Just uh, be used in a manner that uh, limits his exposure. You want them to uh, treat him with kid gloves. No, get him all the best parts of this experience, but do not overcook it. Well, right now, it's he and Jalen Brown as the only two shooting guards on the roster. Point guards, Kemba Walker, Kyle Lowry, and De'Aaron Fox. Uh, other wings, you've got Chris Middleton and Jason Tatum. But then after that, you're looking at bigs for the most part, depending on where you throw in Kyle Kuzma, I guess. But P.J. Tucker, Harrison Barnes, not really wing types like Donovan is. And then Miles Turner and Brooke Lopez, obviously, are, are your bigs. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think you look at it, and I think Donovan's going to be playing a lot. I think yeah, I think will. it's really great. If if not anything else, I think it's probably really great for his confidence. But don't you want – don't you want the excuse of, well, you can't get enough exposure playing in Utah to be a thing of the past? Yes, that would be helpful for the Jazz. Let Donovan ja- go. Jazz fans would like that to be forgotten. Let Donovan go be a star. Let, him, gonna, get, let he, him get all that attention. It's, yeah. nothing but, it's nothing but good. You brought up the point before that these guys are playing anyway. If he weren't involved in this process, then he'd be in some other gym playing. Right. And so he might as well play as much as he can to get – 
the benefits of which we spoke. And, uh, and if it increases his profile, uh, raises it, and uh, his, his uh, renown grows from this experience, then that's good for him and it's good for the Utah Jazz. But stay freaking healthy and do not be overused to the point of fatigue. Well, like you said, hopefully, you know, the staff that they have down there is treating everybody, you know, like this isn't their first job, you know, that yeah. the, everybody carefully. And that, not that Marcus Smart you know, having these issues is a good sign, but it's a, it's a good sign. They say, all right, got some soreness, step away, out indefinitely. We'll, we'll figure something else out. You think the guys who get along well are recruiting one another? Yes. So Donovan is, might be saying to someone else, hey, you know, it's, it's awfully fine out there in Salt Lake City. Or there's the, you run the risk of somebody saying that to Donovan. <laughs> but it, it, you know what? The, the, the NBA players, it's such a small-knit community. I mean, it's, if They're it's not— anyway. Right. If it's not this, it's, it's something else. But, I mean, you go back to uh, LeBron, Bosh, and Wade, they all hatched that scheme where they were playing but USA basketball. Weren't uh, Durant and— uh, and Irving close at one point, or am I misremembering that? No, I think. Well, they certainly were on Team USA at the same time, so I mean that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Donovan, first, okay, a couple of questions here. Playing with this particular group of, of guys and being counted on the way he may be, how will that advance his abilities in the short term? And do you think being coached by Popovich, what kind of effect does that have? Because, you know, Quinn Snyder is a heck of a coach. Everybody knows it. Everybody around the league knows it. I mean, he is, he has established himself as one of the great coaches in the NBA. How helpful is it to hear another voice for a little while? Well, well, I mean... Let me put it to you this way. I think Quinn Snyder has one of those sponge-type personalities where he's always learning something and trying to figure out a way to you know, implement the lessons that he learns from wherever. I think Donovan Mitchell has a similar-type personality. Now let me ask you this. What was, uh, who, who was one of those great minds that Quinn sponged off of? You think it was Pop? I don't think it was Pop. I know it was Pop. <laughs> Well, well, one one of them because he he worked for Austin. Yeah, because and, been, and you I'm, hear the stories about him going back and forth uh, to San right, Antonio's from, from, uh, from yeah. Austin. Mm-hmm. And he's and he was overseas. He was he worked as an assistant for many teams in the NBA, like you were talking about. He did sponge up a lot of ideas, and that's really, I think that's one of the the the, the best things about a great coach. They didn't invent this stuff, you know. It's like being a great musician. You don't necessarily invent it out of nowhere. You have influences that come into play, and your greatness is in, is how you arrange it or rearrange it. I think that applies to a lot of things in life, don't you? Yeah. I mean, it, it applies to my radio career. I hear other people who, who do it, and I, they do some things I like, and I try to you know learn from that and make it my own. It probably happens in every office. Where people see managers and what they do, they what they and they see what's effective, what isn't effective. Probably happens in every home, right? Where kids learn uh, the good and the bad from their own parents, and they think, well, when I'm a parent, I'm going to apply this, and I'm not going to do that. Well, I'm sure as a as a writer, whether you do it consciously or not, I'm sure there were writers who did things when you were coming up, and not only in the biz but growing up, that you took from and probably use in your own writing. I, I think always, it's- I always tell young writers when they ask, I say, man. 
what's the best way to improve and, I, and when they're young and developing and I always tell them read read a lot what and was you can uh, go from there what was a sports book from your youth that really uh, had an impact on you <laughs> well I didn't really copy the writing style but ball four you talked about that the other yeah. day when the, the did the Jim author Batten, pass away he passed away but uh, but I you know what I would even be willing to bet that your writing style was influenced by that book in one way or another. Yeah, again I don't know. whether it's I conscious or subconscious or whatever. I mean I think we all do that, and and people that are willing to acknowledge that and embrace that, I think that can be really really effective. Earlier this off season, we saw uh, Donovan Mitchell working with Carmelo Anthony. We did. Carmelo was showing him a certain move. And, and you know, one of the things that was so fast about that, that video, and maybe some of our listeners saw it, was Carmelo would make a move, and then Donovan would do the exact same move. And he could, it was almost like watching a great dancer uh, observing another great dancer and then being able to mimic exactly what they did. I couldn't believe the proficiency and the, how quickly he picked up what Carmelo was, was dealing there. And I think that, yeah, if you whether it's coming from another player, which is also an influence in this situation that Donovan's in, or whether it's from a, a coach, Popovich says, hey, you know, Donovan, uh, I've been watching and doing this for a long, long time. This might help you. And then Donovan, you know how conscientious he is. He's writing this stuff down. And then he goes out to beat Popovich during the regular season. And Popovich is over there going, what did I do to myself? (laughs) Man, I should never have told him that. (laughs) I mean, little things. Little things that make a big difference. I thought Jazz fans' reaction to that Carmelo video was funny. Where you go, no, what are you doing? No. (laughs) It was an offensive move, not a defensive. Yeah, but but the truth is, and what you're talking about is, listen, I, I I've never been a huge fan of Melo. I've always kind of thrown him in the overrated category. That was he, always just my there, opinion. There was a time but, when he was the best off, one of the best offensive players on the planet. Exactly. And if there was ever a player like it, it, in the league, if you needed a player to get you a bucket, that was something Carmelo was really good at. Top yeah. two, three, four player in the league at doing that at a time in his career. And maybe he got a little older, so he was not as effective as that at that as he used to. But that knowledge is still there. And so, oh, no doubt. if if Donovan could pick up uh, some some scoring tips from Carmelo Anthony, you listen. A lot of times, I think fans sometimes forget uh, what goes into being great. And, yeah, Carmelo had his deficiencies and whatnot, but what he was good at, he worked his tail off to get that good. And there's a lot that goes into it. Did you ever see that uh, documentary, the thing with uh, Michael Jackson, when he was he was putting together that show that he was ready to start before he passed away? Called, this is this it? This is it? I mean... No, to, I never saw to, it. To, to watch the, uh, the, the attention to detail... In how a song is played, and it was fascinating to me that these people, we just assume, oh yeah, it comes natural, they go out there and do what they do. Most of them, who are really great, have great talent, but they also worked hard to understand and they have a vision for the way things should be. And that's what I thought of when I saw Carmelo doing that with Donovan. 
It was, hey, this guy knows that this move works out of years of doing it. And he thought that could help Donovan, and Donovan was paying close attention. That'd be funny if he said, Donovan, let's go down to the other end and on defense. He just did the whole Matador thing. Yeah, yeah, that's, and then Donovan was practicing think, not playing defense. I think what you're saying about people who are great is really true, except for Brooks Kepka. <laughs> it just comes natural to him. That guy just rolls out on <laughs> rolls out onto the course and says, uh, "Give me my driver, caddy. Let's do this. Let's go win us this tournament." Just rolled straight out of bed, huh? Yep. By the way, did you see that video of uh, Rory McIlroy absolutely killing Matt Kuchar? No. Over the the money situation. No. Kuchar was talking about how. A couple of uh, strokes at a, a tournament cost him $300,000 or something like that. And then uh, Rory fired back on him and said something about how important money was to it. Do look, we look, have look. it? And, and if you know the background on that story, remember Kuchar was, uh, got, he stiffed his caddy, didn't he? he? He paid him like next to nothing. And it created quite a firestorm on tour. Let's give that a listen. I'm still mad. I mean, Rory was just telling me he passed me by two points. Two points is $300,000 over two points. Uh, we all know what money means to him, so. <laughs> Fair. Wow. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Golfers can be funny. Phil Mickelson might be the best follow on Twitter. There was also a video of him when he was rolling up Magnolia Lane. At the Masters, and he got off a shot on Matt Kuchar, too. Phil did? Yeah. He said something about, I think he said something along the lines of, there won't be any side action, because he was, he was, (laughs) we have this, too. Let's hear that one. Weekend at the Masters, driving up Magnolia Lane. There's nothing better than being in contention on the weekend at the Masters, driving up Magnolia Lane. I've got a great pairing today with Matt Kuchar. Obviously, we're not going to have any side action today because I'd probably see like 0.06% if I did win. (laughs) (laughs) Phil Mickelson talking to the camera as he's rolling up Magnolia Lane. He's funny. He's really funny. He's, I'm telling you. Does he put all that on Twitter? He puts most of I think he has like the Instagram and the Twitter connected or something like that because I think he puts it out on on both platforms. But he's he's hilarious. I'll never forget that uh, him uh, roundhouse kicking that beer off the oh, top yeah. of uh, some dude's head. That was amazing. That was amazing. How did he do that? And what was that guy an idiot for letting him try? <laughs> That's a good way to get kicked in the face. <laughs> do you think pro golfers give each other tips? Because it's awfully competitive. Yes, because you remember the story from the Open Championship where Kepka had a caddy. Bob told us this story. Kepka had a caddy who was from Northern Ireland. That was his home course. So Tiger called Kepka to want to play a practice round with him. Get a little bit of that insight. And Kepka ghosted him. <laughs> Didn't even respond. <laughs> Boy, when you're doing that to Tiger, you've arrived. But I think that yeah, I think that there's some some help there, probably some influence. They play together a lot more than you would know. They play together a lot more than just tournaments. I get the impression from what Phil said that there's a whole lot of as he called it side action going on with those guys, especially with Phil. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not always uh, it, you know it doesn't happen every day when your gambling activity spawns an SEC investigation, <laughs> but yet <laughs> that happened to Phil. <laughs> 
I don't know why. I just like Phil Mickelson. You know? I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of people like him. Lefty. He's not even left-handed, is he? Uh, no, his not. His dad taught him to yeah. play left-handed because he didn't want him to have that strong right hand, you know, interfering with his swing. But, yeah, I mean, that's something tells me that when you make the kind of money those guys do, that there's probably a whole lot of that going on. See, I am a lefty that plays right-handed, but that had nothing to do with, with my dad thinking that uh, he could improve my swing. Well, then that, why'd you do it? It had everything to do with my dad being cheap. <laughs> because he had some old golf clubs. He's like, we'll just cut these down. You can learn to play on these. How is it? Uh, in all fairness, like we went to the golf shop and I, I swing the club left-handed and right-handed. And I said, ah, I can't really tell a difference. And he's like, well, right-handed it is. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I find it fascinating that guys at that level are willing to share information with one another. Because that guy is going to be going up against you next week. Because you're competing against yeah. each other. For big, big coin. But in, in this case, to bring this full circle back to USA Basketball, Greg Popovich wants to win it for the country. You know, he's going to do what he can to put together the best team and, and coach his players up the right way. He's an old school dude Have like you that. grown weary of his interviews? I listened to his media availability today. We're and getting those daily form. now. Uh-huh. And, and what do you think? Is it funny? Is it stupid? Is it? Uh, and then one thing I've learned about the media is when somebody asks a dumb question and someone like Popovich makes fun of them for doing that, uh, the guy who asked the dumb question has no friends. Everybody else laughs. Yeah, <laughs> no, because it is funny. But you know what it is? Is it's it's mean. I mean, he's mean. But it's it's now it's part of his shtick. It's like if you're not roasted by him at some point, then you're left out of the club. But it's not. It's really not necessary. I, I get it. Listen, we we talk to a lot of people in the sports world, right? And like Pac-12 Media Day is a good example of this. Kyle Whittingham did the same interview over and over and over again, probably fifty times that day. And I'm <laughs> I'm sure that it is not his favorite thing in the world. And it would be really easy to be short and snarky and mean mm-hmm. because you're probably in a bad mood and you're probably listening to three quarters of the questions going, "That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard." But you you have respect. To, to answer and treat somebody like a human. So that, I, That's one of the things I admire about Kyle Whittingham. You ask him a question and he'll answer it. Right. And same thing with Quinn Snyder. Ask him a question and he answers it. Not everybody does that. In fact, it's, it's rather rare, I think. I think it's actually the easy way to go to be snarky and mean. I mean, really. But people are just out there trying to do their jobs, and the, the whole process of it may be obnoxious to you, but it's also the way to get so much information out about your program, which directly benefits you. So it's why, you know, most coaches, again, treat media members very respectfully, and Popovich does not. Is it funny at times? Did I laugh when I was listening to his, uh, his uh, availability What got today? you? What, what, what Multiple you times. Well, God, what specifically? What? He actually said that uh, quit asking us questions that make no sense. Yeah. Uh, The one guy asked him how he defined excellence. (laughs) And he said, anybody want to ask me a question that makes sense? (laughs) See, that's funny, but it's also really mean. (laughs) If you're comic the insult dog, it's it's fitting. (laughs) Right. If you're there to be a professional, it's it's old. We all all know what the guy was trying to get at. 
Well, and Popovich had used the word excellence earlier in the yeah. as as uh, part of one of his answers earlier. So he said, "Define excellence." Don't anybody want to ask me a question that makes some sense? Come on. Yeah, I think he has these written down beforehand. By the way, he's working. I on think it? I think he works on it before beforehand, and it, he that guy could have asked the best question in the world, and he would have said what he said because that was the first question. There was one guy who's not in our sports media anymore that Pop used to get every time he came to town. Mm-hmm. And I always felt so bad for him. It was just like he's just trying to he's just trying to get a quote and maybe it's not the greatest question in the world, but give come on. And he used to just uh, I don't know how the guy wouldn't be humiliated, honestly. But to his credit, the guy's credit, he was there every time asking questions. He didn't let it deter him. <laughs> All right then. Yeah, I'm serious about him. that. Yeah. Well, you can't have thin skin in this. Are you kidding me? Thanks but for, anyway, thanks for showing up. Nice of you to show up. Nice of you to show up. I can ask the question. Yeah. Oh man, still one of the best days of my life. <laughs> Come here every two years and ask me those questions. Still sitting right next to you during that whole thing. I'm just so proud. I tell everybody I meet. You know, I was sitting next to Gordon in that press conference. Ah, didn't go in the hoop. Did you hear the laughter in the background? That was mine, right? Uh-huh. Tell that people. was me. <laughs> Doubled over in laughter. I can't. Re- I think it was Brad Rock who said something after Jim Boylan finally left because the room I remember was just eerily silent because nobody. Every, it was so awkward. Everybody was just quiet. And then Brad made some crack. I can't remember what he said. <laughs> he broke the tension though. Usually that's Dirk Facer's role, isn't it? And I think Doesn't uh, Dirk usually have uh, really something funny to say. Usually. But and in a twist of irony, if I recall correctly, after that whole incident, that Brad wrote about it and you did not. That's true. I wrote about it after everybody else wrote about it, but I was trying to not make myself part of the story. Right, right, right. I got it. And because uh, people out there were accusing you of trolling Jim or doing something like that, yeah, I, don't I even wasn't know if even trolling the, was a word. I didn't back even then, ask but, that first question. Right. I got blamed for that too. And you didn't. You didn't even use it for. What I you're didn't even. About. I wasn't in the mood to fight that night. I, and you could tell that from my tone of voice. Otherwise, I would have fired back. On well, you were just jumping in there. You were you were being honorable. You were just jumping in there to save some poor kid who yeah. was right there in the blasting zone. I wonder zone. who that was. I've never even talked with that kid, not knowingly anyway. I wonder. I don't. I have no idea who that was. Hmm. I I know uh, who it was. What student reporter it was that wrote that uh, you were a drug dealer after uh, <laughs> your ringtone "California Dreaming" went off in a press conference. I know who that writer was. Do we have to tell that story again? It's now? such a great story. <laughs> it's amazing, freaking amazing. Save it. All right, maybe we'll maybe we'll tell it. Uh, some other time. Uh, but let me tell you. I'll, I'll do it quickly. All right. Gordon, Matthew, Piper, and I were having lunch before the Utah-Oregon game some years back. Yep. Matthew worked at the Trib. <laughs> he he previously worked for the Karani. And uh, we're, we're having a nice lunch. And uh, I don't know how it came up, but I, I said, Kyle, Gordon, you remember? Remember that one time where that student reporter said that you were going to your car to deal drugs? No, after- I, think, I think you said that idiot. Student report. I might have. I might have said idiot. That sounds like something I'd say. <laughs> and then Matthew Piper goes, "That that was uh, that was me." <laughs> <laughs> and I think you could see the terror on his face as he admitted that. And Gordon and I just laughed. It was funny. 
It was yeah. what? It was ten years before that. I mean, yeah, there was this, water under the bridge. This ringtone, yeah. He said I was out checking on my drug deal, and then he proceeded to rip me about ten different ways. But. Funny how that stuff comes around, isn't it? Yeah, it's okay. Uh, did you know that Homie assigns a whole team of realtors and specialists to sell your home for a flat 1500 bucks? That means thousands of dollars in hypothetical realtor commissions back into your pocket. That's innovative. That's fair. That's the company who's got your back. That's Homie. Coming up next, Chris Camerani of The Athletic, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Joined now by Jay Drew, Salt Lake Tribune. What do you got as Kalani's job status going forward? Most schools, when they want to re-sign a coach, they do it when he's going into the second to last year of his deal, which Kalani is doing. BYU tends to do things differently. That's what Tom Holmel's response has been when we've asked him. I guess I would say if he doesn't go to a bowl game this year, I think he would definitely be on the hot seat. I think you can say that pretty safely. So I think he's probably safe this year, but who knows? It's hard to predict what BYU does, as you guys know. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. You are my fire. The one Desire, believe when I say I want it that way. Big Show 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Let's talk a little Ute football. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99 shopping. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, he writes for The Athletic. And, Gordon, he has those boy band good looks. He is Chris Camrani with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, good afternoon. How are you? I was wondering if you guys were setting me up with the Backstreet Boys, and I'm glad you were. I'm glad there's something to be said about the, the music intro for your guests. <laughs> well, they they are our band of the day because they are here to be playing in the arena tonight, which I'm sure you already know because you've already got your tickets. Oh, front row, yeah. Front row. See? There you go. No, I'm going to be in one of those suites, one of those fancy suites. I don't even know what they're called, but that's that's the plan where they have the free candy and stuff. See, here's the problem with how you did that, Jake. See, Chris. Chris is like Brad Pitt. He he, he is. Uh, he wants to be respected for the craft, for the way he does his job, not for those boyish good looks that he gets commented on all the time. This is. I mean, women come up to Chris and ask him for his number just when he's walking down the street. Right, Chris, and that gets that really becomes a hassle after a while. You and I can relate to this. Jake can't. He doesn't know what that yeah, feels like. But I don't. Uh, you, you have to earn the respect that, that through your hard work, not just what you were the looks you were blessed with. Yeah, luckily, uh, Samson Nakua came up to me at practice today, and we were you know chit chatting a little bit, and he asked me if I graduated from college last year. So that makes me feel good. I guess I still have the, the boyish looks going, but. I didn't have the heart to tell him that it was, you know, 12 years ago, but whatever. I can't, I can't, that's, that's beside the point. So whatever you guys want to talk about, let's, uh, let's, let's ditch the Backstreet Boys. Uh, listen, Chris, now you may be going for Brad Pitt, but at, uh, at Utah practice, they're looking for Stevie Wonder. 
So tell me, what did you not witness at uh, at Ute Camp today? Anything not stand out? Man, you're trying to get me blacklisted, Jake. Um, <laughs> let's just say that the most important player on the team was cleated up. I what? guess you can say that's 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 important. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, you guys were there. This is a, an interesting era that we're living in. Um, luckily, we still have three three weeks of camp left to go. Um, I guess luckily or not so lucky, if you, depending on how uh, how you look at it, what lens you decide to decipher it through. But you know, we're just about a week and a half through, and um, yeah, most important player on the team was cleated up and jogging today. Yeah, and I, you know, I got to hand it to you, Chris, that you didn't cast any doubt on uh, on uh, certain players' availability. <laughs> there are a few. There are a few in there, Gordon. That was good. That was Bill Orm esque, man. I'm proud of you. <laughs> All so, right. so Chris, what what is, as you've been observing these practices? Uh, and talking to the players afterward and the coaches, uh, any impressions uh, early? Um, I, I guess my biggest takeaway so far is that the offensive side has been really excited about the installation of the Andy Ludwig offense. And I think most players would say that regardless. I don't think you would come across a player who would say, I hate this offense, this offense sucks. Uh, but everybody that I've talked to is pretty excited about what this look is going to look like in terms of playing to the strengths of the of the team. Um, obviously, they're going to be a run-first offense, and that's going to be able to open up the play action for Tyler Huntley. Um, and I am interested to see what the uh, offensive line starts to look like starting next week, probably see who gets those spots solidified. And, um, you know, we're not allowed to talk about injuries, but we need to figure out where Britton Covey is in a couple of weeks too, because he's their most important player on the outside. From what they're saying, they seem pretty comfortable replacing Manny Bowen at linebacker. Are you kind of hearing the same thing that they're they're pretty confident Devin Lloyd can step in and get it done? Yeah, yeah. the um, The Devin Lloyd story is an interesting one. I actually wrote something about him today on the Athletic. Um, interesting kid came up out of high school as a wide receiver and transitioned to safety his last year of, of high school down in San Diego and just kept growing and growing. And um, you know, I talked to his high school coaches this week and they were saying that they never really envisioned him as a safety in high school because when you can play two ways and you're a, you're a tall athletic dude, you're going to be a wide out and you're going to be a defensive back. But as soon as the Utah coaches saw him in high school and ironically enough, they went down and watched him at a basketball game and that's when they decided they wanted to offer him and make him a linebacker at the next level. And he's had the luxury of, you know, sitting behind two pretty good linebackers and Chase Hansen and Cody Barton the last couple of years to learn and, He's uh, been pretty outspoken about how ready he is. And um, my go-to quote is, pressure is only applied by the individual. So he seems to be handling the, the early pressure on uh, pretty well. But I think it's easy to say that, you know, the first couple of weeks of camp, it's another thing to uh, perform down in Provo in front of 6,000 fans. Chris, a lot of us believe that this could be just a great, great defense overall. Are you uh, having sensing that same thing? Because really, I mean, they're strong in the back. They're extraordinarily strong up front. And these linebackers of which you're speaking, Devin Lloyd being one of them, uh, they're going to just be asked to clean up the mess. Yeah, if they stay healthy, I think they should be up there. Um, I, to your point about the defensive line, it is kind of absurd how many talented players they have. 
being able to roll in and out. And I think that's a luxury that not a lot of teams have. Is you know maybe their front four are strong and they might be able to uh, get after the quarterback, but the, the luxury that Utah has is their four best players can take rest and you can sub guys in and you might not even miss a beat. I'm I'm very interested to see how the you know changes in the secondary in terms of Terrell Burgess and Julian Blackman moving over to the starting safety spot. Um, some some new spots for them, especially regarding Julian, because he came up as a cornerback, as you guys know. Um, but he's put on a lot of weight. He looks pretty thick. I think he added about 20, 25 pounds this offseason, um, and he looks the part. Um, but, again, it, it all boils down to injuries, but those are the two spots on the field that you could argue that Utah are the deepest on. Chris Camerani of The Athletic with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, what did you make of the report that Utah is spending over a million dollars in, I think it was 2018, on their recruiting budget, and it's the highest in the Pac-12? Yeah, I mean, I think they kind of have to. If, you, if your recruiting footprint stretches from the Isles of Hawaii all the way to the South Beach in Miami, I think you're going to have to be willing to invest money. And, you know, those flights aren't cheap. I mean, I think Lewis Powell last year flew all the way to – Australia for a recruiting visit to get to some guys that they ended up getting. So I think it just goes to show that the game is going global. And Utah is um, fortunately or unfortunately a little, uh, I guess they're not a little, we are landlocked here, but if you're going to go to California, Texas, and Florida, those, those trips are going to cost quite a bit of money in terms of sending guys out there, getting recruits to come visit. Um, and the Hawaiian islands are the same thing. So it's not that surprising. I think you look at, uh, schools like USC, I mean, they get to pretty much stay home if they want and get the kids that they want, or they have in the past at least. Um, Oregon, I think, maybe stretching it a little bit because they, like Utah and Washington, have really expanded their own Polynesian pipeline, um, and they're getting kids from all over the country as well. But it's not that surprising. And Kyle talked about how important it is and how it's proven to be important for this team to get the sort of depth that they necessarily need now to defend the Pac-12 South Championship. Chris, uh, how concerned and impressed are you uh, with Tyler Huntley and what he may be capable of doing this time around? Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see how this offense is tailored to his skill set. Um, he was talking about how he's excited to go down behind center, and that's something he hasn't really done his entire life. And he said going behind center and huddling up more gives him a chance uh, to break down defenses in real time and audible, change things up. Whereas traditionally the spread offense is, you know, you kind of know what your first and second and third options are. Uh, this is going to be a very different look for Tyler in Utah. Um, what he has going for him is a bunch of really good running backs behind him. Uh, the offensive line, as, as we've talked about, does need to be sorted out. Um, but, I mean, anytime you can say you're three to four, maybe even five deep at the running back position, that's that's a pretty good um, problem to have. Uh, I And I think with the wideouts that he's working with, these are all guys that he's seen before and he's dealt with before. He has, he's not necessarily breaking in any any newcomers. Um, but last year, Britton Covey was his guy, and I think that's going to continue as long as Britton's healthy. I also think the tight ends are going to play a huge role in this offense, and they're they're pretty deep there as well. So I'm excited to see what Tyler can do, uh, you know, being able to play off that running game and the play-action pass will definitely be into play quite a bit. Chris, thanks for knuckling down on this uh, interview and uh, putting a wrap on it. <laughs> we, we do appreciate it. We do. It's, it's true. That. You know, 
Thumbs up for me, guys. Thumbs up for me. Chris, thank Chris you. Chris is walking that tightrope, isn't he? <laughs> he yeah, is. He's no, uh, he's no newbie. No, he is not. Chris, you're the best. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Chris Camerani covers the Utes for The Athletic. I don't know if the knuckles have anything to do with anything, do you? I don't. Uh-uh. No, I just know where they're located on the human body. I thought that Stevie Wonder line was pretty funny. I saw the excitement in your face when it was uh, cooking in your uh, in your in your brain. Over Gordon, there. you saw nothing. That's what I've told you time and again. You saw nothing. Yeah, I uh, I hear no evil, see no evil. What's the other one? Speak no evil. Speak no evil. Well, I speak evil. Well, two out of three is not bad, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Want to remind you about Diamond Airport parking? Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport parking. Diamond offers car to curb service twenty four seven. Airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water. Plus, no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport parking just off five fifteen in Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. Diamond Airport parking. Let's give uh, let's give a certain running back a hand for showing up, putting the cleats on today. He did that. He had the cleats on. He was at practice. He was padded up. He was. <laughs> oh man! More next. Let's not stop sports glad handing. Okay. <laughs> not sports report. His <laughs> next. That was a backhanded compliment. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another selection. I see you on five. Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union. The Southtown Auto Mall. And Master Electrical Service. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Quit playing games with my heart. You're grooving over there, Gordon. You should go to this concert tonight. I like this song. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Have you uh, got on the Ticketmaster or anything? No. no. Check that out. My wife has a little bit. I'm still waiting for a freebie. Time for the not sports port. Well, you'd have to get a tattoo. We established that. No, no, you no. Get, get Gordon free tickets to, to the Backstreet Boys, and he'll get a, a Backstreet tattoo. That's, the, be that's kind, the deal. There's, there's got to be a kind-hearted soul out there somewhere as a couple extras. For you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you give them wife. to like his friend or something? Or their kids or, or somebody they know. Oh, I'm just waiting and seeing. Well, that's where the tattoo comes in, because that's going to give us the incentive. The T-shirt, not the tattoo. The Not Sports Port, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordo, where are we going today? Still waiting for my phone to ring. It's been pretty quiet. <clears throat> Nobody wanting to give you free tickets? <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, so far. Uh, two things, Jake. Uh, the first one is that scientists over in the UK have discovered that if you stare down seagulls, they won't steal your food. It's all in the eye contact, huh? It is. That's what they say. If you stare at them 
as they're going after your chicken nuggets <laughs> tenders. Why chicken nuggets? I don't know. Is that that sounds like something? Have that's you ever had a bird you? steal your food? No. Oh, are you kidding me? Really? I have it. I had a seagull steal my sandwich out of my golf cart once. This is absolutely true. I had a sandwich there, and I had a Snickers bar, and it swooped in, grabbed the sandwich, unwrapped the Snickers bar, went around the circle, came back for the Snickers bar. It was unbelievable. It ate the sandwich in one circle? I I don't know whether it dropped it or whatever, but maybe it was was a different one. I don't know, but they they were in tandem, I guess. It took my sandwich and my Snickers bar. What kind of sandwich? I think I don't know. I don't remember. I think it was turkey sandwich with cheese, a little mayo, pickles, and maybe a touch of mustard on rye. Austin, is, have you ever had food stolen from you by a bird? Uh, yeah, a goose at the park, yeah. But not out of my hand or anything. We had walked away from the <laughs> and left the food on the ground. The goose came and took the food. That's... So the the picnic, you right, guys yeah. went to throw the frisbee. I think it was a pizza. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, they've done studies now. If you stare down the bird, it is well. I Why think... on earth would somebody study that? Because this is what, on earth? have you been? What a waste when, of time! It's a good when, use of when resources. You went to the beach, weren't you? Uh, you know, didn't you have seagulls coming around? Yeah, but you just chew them off. I don't know. <laughs> chew them off. You don't. Do you, do you really need a re- like a like a university cracking into this one? Don't we have other problems that we could apply brain power they, to? They, they timed it. They found that a bird. It it took a bird who were the birds that were being stared at. You know, bird eye contact, human. That it took twenty one seconds longer for those birds. To make the attempt, I think that's significant. But they still did it. <laughs> yeah, but it gave you time to <laughs> cover up. It's just gonna, it's just gonna, you know, that'd be a bird's eye view. Uh, and and then and then there's one other story here, real quick. And I'll try to be delicate with this, but you know the uh, the storming uh, area 51. That's what that's supposed to happen. What uh, September 20th? I don't know. You know the story. Yes, you brought it up. Before. Millions of people have signed up on Facebook to show up at uh, Area 51. It's going to be a bloodbath. Well, there's a company in Nevada, and I guess it's, uh, I, I guess it's a nationwide company, but they have like 13 businesses in Nevada. Uh, they are sending adult dancers to meet the aliens and to entertain the millions on hand at Area 51. Probably more about entertaining the millions on hand than meeting the aliens, wouldn't you think? One of the executives from a company that uh, is organizing this says, come September 20th, we'll be there. We know what most Americans know. And uh, he says that uh, adult dancers make any event better and this one will be no exception. Well, there's no arguing with that. Apparently, they're calling it the ultimate alien tailgate party. And they have a, a vehicle where the various uh, dancers dance called the stripper mobile. How about that? You've been looking for a new car, Gordon. What are you- <laughs> no, I just, is this really going to happen? Are they really going to storm Area 51? I doubt it. No one's going to show up? Well, this started, the whole thing started as a joke. And so. I know, but then it gained momentum. Americans want to go. 
And now Bernie Sanders is saying if he's if he's elected president, he is going to uh, reveal to everybody the truth about the aliens. Again, I, I think storming a military base is a bad idea. I think that's a bad idea. In fact, idea. I believe it's illegal. Yeah, I believe it's illegal as well. Yeah, but if the people speak. From jail. <laughs> from the grave. Or there. Is that what's going to happen? There's, a, I think, a, a significant possibility. Yeah, what do you think happens you when know. you storm a military base? No, they just say, oh, come on in. <laughs> Please, glad you came by. That's yeah, no, great. You know for a fact that there's some people are gonna are gonna do it. Well, well, well. I hope those people who are guarding the base, you know, have like rubber bullets or something because these people mean no harm. They do though. Yeah, good strong military works with rubber bullets. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean they don't mean? Of course they mean harm. They're storming a military base. No, they want to find out about what the truth is. So, <laughs> the truth, the truth shall make you free. All right, I'm going to start a, a social media movement, Storm Gordon's house. Let's see how he reacts. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is public. This this should be public information, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if they have aliens out there, they which are, they what they really have are secret uh, developmental aircraft, right? They're right. You never know though. Stuff they're willing to, you know, protect. Isn't that where that, that one establishment is, that alien, the alien, the uh, alien? Yeah, I got it. I don't know. Isn't that out there? Is it Rachel? What's that town called out there? I want to remind you to join us, the big show, coming up on Friday from 3 to 6 at the Warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. Price is so low, it will blow your mind. It's the Warehouse. David Locke joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Second year BYU quarterback, Zach Wilson. Your shoulder and the rehabilitation, what you've gone through, where are you at percentage-wise? Do you attach a percentage to your, your shoulder strength and your throwing ability? It's not 100%, obviously, but you know it's good enough if I had to play or good enough to come out here and run scrimmages and practice and stuff. And Every day is a little bit different. Some days you feel better, some days you feel worse, and you know I kind of just play it by day. I definitely feel like by the first game I'll be 100%. I'll be better than what I was last year. Um, I think that's kind of the biggest key. I think it's almost a blessing in disguise. I'm learning to have to do other things to compensate for my arm being down, and so I think that's a you know a good thing. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.